Oh, hello. No, no, you fuck. No, I just. Sorry, I wasn't expecting guests. Come in, come in. No, 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 don't be silly. Get in. Come on. Get in it. Just pop your shoes off first, obviously. That's goes without saying. Um, welcome back to People Are Fucking Awesome. That's obviously why you're here. I just wasn't expecting you, that's all. Um, yeah, God, I'm slightly distracted because um, it's World Cup season, guys. Um, love it or hate it, you can't ignore it. And if you're anything like me, you've already been won over, completely seduced by the whole theatre of a major football tournament, you know, specifically the World Cup. It is more than football, guys. Come on. Um, if you're not into it, I apologise, obviously, but, you know... Do you know what? If you're not into it, you're not into it. That's that. That's fine. You know, I'm not into goat's cheese, for example. No judgment. Um, if, however, you are into the football, God, it's been good, isn't it? It has been good. Like right now, I'm in, I'm sat in the wheelhouse on the barge because I need to get this out today because obviously England. It's set the 17th of June and England are playing their opening match against Tunisia tomorrow and. Oh, I'm nervous. But saying that, when it comes to England and, and major tournaments, people do get tend to get a bit sort of over dramatic, and they fall in love with the England team, and they forget about you know how crap we were in previous tournaments, etc. And and the the perception of our chances normally gets a little bit skewed. Um, I for one keep my feet firmly on the ground around a major tournament, and uh, with that in mind, I fancy our chances. I think we've got it in us. I think there's a good feeling amongst the camp. You know, I hate them all, footballers. I hate them all, but it's good to see them all getting along. Please don't turn off. This is not a football podcast. It's just where my head is. I've been off all week. I ran Race to the Tower last weekend, which was amazing. And the week before that, I ran uh, the Grand Union Canal to see some pigs. Um, I'm just going to leave that there because you know why not <laughs> i'll let you decide what happened um but either way i uh, i've done a lot of running recently and i've managed to pick up some injuries finally is I've, I've managed to sidestep those for quite a long time but um finally yes managed to managed to injure myself i've luckily a week off has coincided quite perfectly with the start of the world cup um so I've just been binging on that, to be honest, and it's been fucking brilliant. This is episode four, that's what it is, of People Are Fucking Awesome, and my guest this week is the incredible Pip Stewart. Um, it was an incredible conversation. Pip has just finished uh, kayaking the Escuibo River, which is in the Amazon. It's a world first, which is mega impressive. She spent a couple of months out in the jungle. She's come back. She's... She's got some kind of weird flesh-eating virus on her neck, potentially. Um, I still think she's waiting for the results on that. But um, we discussed that, um, and uh, and there's some amazing little tales from the jungle as well. Something else she did that impressed me massively was she cycled 10,000 miles from Malaysia to England on a whim as well. No training, no nothing. She just decided to do it. I fucking love that um and not only that she's as it turns out she's uh she's a big advocate for mental health and she she enjoys talking about it and we we end up 
in an amazing conversation about happiness, about contentment, about life. Um, yeah, it really was an amazing conversation. I'm a bit gutted that I turned off the recorder when I did because we, we hung out for a little bit afterwards and the conversation went very weird, very quick and uh, I kind of wish I captured it. But at the same time, potentially there's another episode in there so we might even be able to get Pip back. Um Right, that's probably enough from me. Thanks for tuning in again. This is episode four. Oh, look. There is a squirrel approaching. (laughs) I've actually um, scheduled to interview him <laughs> <Yeah>. a little <laughs> bit later. Yeah, he's like, you're early. You're early, mate. It's like, sod off. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly on time. Yeah. Oh, he's cancelled on me loads of times. It's fine. <laughs> um, he is actually getting closer. He is. He's well confident. Is it Greenwich Park where they like crawl all over you and everything? Have you, been, have you walked through Greenwich Park? No. Oh, God, they're great there. He is, look, he's, he's, he wants to know. Coming for a snuggle. He can see. <laughs> he's mega close. He's seen your equipment and he's like, right, I'm, I'm coming like, for that. He's like, what are they? Are they Shaw 53s there, mate? Yeah, it's just like really into audio equipment. <laughs> yeah, really knowledgeable yeah. squirrel. <laughs> it's London. He's probably coming over. But he's pretending that he's going to go he's sideways and then whenever you turn around, he turns... So nonchalant, right? Yeah, well, oh, no, he's turned around now. All right, you nah, keep an eye on the squirrel. Nah, they're 53s, mate. They're old school. I thought you had something good. Uh, <laughs> right, anyway. Okay, so let's start doing the thing properly now. <laughs> you mean this isn't the interview? No, 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 no. This is the preamble. Um, so, tell, where are we? Where are we? That's a very good question. We are in Fulham Palace Gardens, in the Walled Garden. Excellent. It's one and of it's my really favourite like, places. I've never been here before. It's really nice. And we're like the only ones on the lawn as well. Yeah. Sat right in the bloody middle. Yeah. So um, you're like the first person I've spoken to who isn't already a friend. So <laughs> I was waiting for you in the coffee shop. I was really nervous, actually. I was just like thinking, <laughs> trying to think of like, you know, when you meet someone you really respect, you go, oh, okay, I really need to like come out the gates, a really zingy <laughs> opener. I was like, maybe I could say that I've just been kind of... <laughs> Sorry, why am I telling you this? Um, maybe I'd just say I've been, like, you know, trying to find the best chai latte in London and this one's shit, and like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I think your opening of I've eaten my paper cup was... No, that, yeah, that was genuine anxiety. That's what that was. I'd finished my chai latte and gone, oh, God, I finished it. I can't talk about chai lattes now. Fuck. Um, but this cup is delicious. Yeah, it sure is. Um, oh, there it is. So... <clears throat> um, I really wanted to talk to you because, you know, I really respect what you've done, the adventure, athleticism and these massive challenges you've done and everything. But I, I follow you on social media and this thing you started a little while ago was this search for happiness thing, which I just love. That's kind of my quest as well. You mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. Tell me about that. Why did you start that? Oh, you know what? I was um, my most recent journey was kayaking through Guyana down a river called the Essequibo. And I looked back on my social media feed and I realized a lot of it was selfies. A lot of it was about the self. Mm. And I had this moment, Jake, where I was like, oh, my fucking word. Like, this is not who I am. This is not where I want to be. And 
although I was taking everyone's stories in the evening for the book that I'm writing, it was more like what I'm expressing on social media was so egocentric yeah, and it right. was embarrassing. And I just thought... Well, that's how you saw it, at least. Yeah, but yeah. It was, you know those moments where you sort of look at yourself and you think, am I going down the right path? And I just thought, actually, I'm so lucky and so privileged that I get to travel as part of my job and I meet so many inspiring people. And actually... I'm fascinated by how we can live a fulfilled life. And I'm meeting people who have such knowledge. Like, why not share that? So that's where my whole explore happy thing came from. Because, yeah, born out of embarrassment. And I was like, okay, how can I give back a little bit, I guess? Well, yeah, and to celebrate other people. Like, So I ran back home from Edinburgh back to Brighton. And I was getting put up every night by strangers the whole way. And the whole thing became bigger than me after that. And it was really humbling because mm -hmm. I, there, you can't do things like this and, you know, harvest the likes on, on Instagram or whatever and not have it affect your ego slightly. And, and it does. But if you're a certain type of person, then I think that really does make you question why you're doing what you're doing. Even if the reasons were completely innocent to start with, it's like you kind of feel guilty for getting the recognition and the validation for some reason. Yeah, I totally, I totally um, connect with that. You know, I, I stayed with a, a lot of people who were very just open-minded. Obviously, you have to be, I think, to let a total stranger stay in your house, especially if you've got kids. Yeah. I stayed stay with three families, and all three families um, homeschooled their kids, which I thought was quite oh, a weird amazing. Like, continuity thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, everyone had a story, and, and I stayed with some people who were kind of lonely, and they just wanted to... You know, I'll, I'll listen to them talk for four or five hours if, if they're going to put a roof over my head, etc. And that, yeah, the whole whole thing became bigger than me. That's why I kind of loved what you were doing because it was like, yeah, that's great. That's such a good way of <laughs> deflecting away from you. Yeah. Well, I just I, I sort of feel that um, through adventure, like you get so many incredible opportunities, and a bit what you like what you're explaining there. Like everyone can teach you something, and that's mm -hmm. one of my favourite mottos in life because. We live in this like celebrity obsessed culture yeah. and for a long time they've been held up as our idols and people we should respect and actually you're probably more likely to get better knowledge and wisdom from your next door neighbour or uh, you know some guy in a different country who you've never met and actually why aren't we paying more attention to normal people in a sense? Yeah totally yeah no, I completely agree. So I, I want to talk about um your your most recent feat so it was a world first which i think I, I, that impresses me more than a world record a new world record to be honest because it's like it's proper adventure isn't yeah. it? it's proper exploration so um thank you but it, it was friggin tough is it yeah <laughs> fuck. well yeah i mean like, as i said to you earlier i spit said told a mate what you'd done and it's like more shocked that you didn't die than the fact that you actually did it yeah so it's the esquibo yeah. river Been practicing that yeah, all yeah, morning. yeah you nailed it jake <laughs> nailed it the squirrel is returned. Oh my god, he's got a mate. Look. <laughs> oh my god. We are literally being pincered by two squirrels. Like they are literally about oh my god. It's it's on me. <laughs> Hello, squirrel. Come on. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Squirrel Watch. <laughs> I knew I wanted to be on Country Far. Yeah, this is great. I feel like the, the, the interview is going to continue to get derailed by this squirrel, but I'm, do you know what? I'm kind of cool with that. If it turns out to be a shit interview, yeah. I'll just like remember this day for just the, the day when this happened. Blame the squirrel. Yeah. Anyway, okay, back to business. Um, so you you paddleboarded. Uh, so kayaked. Kayaked. Okay, cool. With uh, Laura Bingham and Ness Knight, yep. who are friends of yours, I guess. Uh, well, 
funnily enough, um, I knew them vaguely before the trip through mm-hmm. Instagram yeah. and then, yeah, became friends through the whole um, kayaking, which is really nice, actually, because I think social media does get slammed quite a lot. But actually, I found two really nice friends through it. I think um, if you follow the right people, it can be just a, it can be a brilliant thing. It's just you know, but yeah. So and they, I follow both of them as well. And like the three of you, just like kind of made total sense for the three of you to be doing that. Um, so you must have planned loads. Before yeah. You left. So we got a little call from Laura about seven months before we set off, saying, "Hey, Pip, I've I've had this idea. Um, how do you feel about coming on a little kayak journey?" And I said, uh, "Laura, <laughs> the last time, yeah, journey. the last time I kayaked was fifteen years ago. I was shit. It was miserable. <laughs> it was like." It was one of those sports that I said, I am never revisiting that ever again. Mm-hmm. I've tried it, I, and it's parked. I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> but then she told me a little bit more about Guyana and the fact that it's this untouched paradise and the, the jungle was insane. And what really fascinated me most was that we were going to be um, sort of traveling with the YY, the local indigenous community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, okay, this is an opportunity to learn from like the people who know jungle and know the nature probably better than well, very few people on this planet, right? Yeah, right? So I was like, I can't say no to this. Even if it means getting back in a sodding kayak, I've got to give it a go. <laughs> so we, we trained in Wales, which was nice. you know, the ideal ground for a hot, humid jungle expedition. Yeah, right. Whereabouts? <laughs> Pembrokeshire? Or? Yeah, the River Dee. Um, Where's that? That is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Cut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you must have done it in the... So you did it in the summer, I guess? No, we did it in the winter and it was oh freaking freezing. Yeah, right. So, okay. So yeah. you're just getting your, your 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 arms prepared, I guess, for kayaking more than anything. Yeah, and just learning how to read water yeah. and rapids and things like that. So Awesome. And uh, when did you set off? We left on in the end of Feb. Okay. Uh, beginning of Feb. Sorry. <laughs> This is just rubbish. Are you actually Pip? Have you sent a double? I've got glandular fever. I'm tired. I'm teasing, obviously. Okay, so right, you started in February or January or 2013, whatever it was. Did we even go? Yeah, so we started in Feb and it took two and a half months. Um, And yeah, it was the most phenomenal experience I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, One of the toughest things I've ever done. Of course. Um, But yeah, amazing. And um, and you've walked away relatively unscathed. Yes, I've got this lovely scab on my neck currently, Jake. <laughs> As I know, because that's the first thing I asked to see when I saw you, because you've been putting it on Instagram. Scab watch. Yeah, yeah scab it's not, watch. It's not too bad, but what, what is it? Tell me about the scab. So this <laughs> People want to know about the scab. Give the people what they want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so I've got this bizarre scab, which I've had for two months. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty grim. But um, the doctors are worried about something called leishmaniasis, which is essentially a flesh-eating bacteria. Um, wow. Which, yeah, eats your neck, which is not, Shit. not nice. That you may have contracted in yeah, the jungle. Yeah, so we're just keeping an eye on it. If it turns into like a crater, then we need to worry. Right, okay, um, yeah. But in the meantime, it might just be a lovely scab. Yeah, so, and a story scab. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> everyone loves a scab. Yeah, so, um, okay, so you finished the kayak in, in April. How do you feel now you're back? Oh, it's miserable. Yeah, like post-trip blues are just, well, as you know, right, when mm. you do something amazing and it kind of consumes your life and every day when you wake up, all you have to do is get from A to B yep. and it's so beautifully simple and then suddenly you get back and for me, 
getting back to London and the noise and the people and choice, like going around a supermarket. <laughs> yeah. It was like, what? Yeah. Um, it was quite overwhelming, to be honest, Jake. I think I'm finally getting to a stage where I'm like, oh, okay, no, this is this is fine. I can do this. Yeah. Um, but the first few weeks were just really weird. Yeah. Really weird. Well, I mean, you're, the whole world revolves around you a little bit when you're away, doesn't it? And then... And then you come back and it's like life just goes on. I got back and I just, not not in an egotistical way, but I kind of got back and I was just like, all oh, right, so no one really cares. Everything's just kind of carrying on as it was before I left. And I think when you're on, on that sort of journey and, and people are just fascinated by what you're doing and they're talking to you all the time, it's, it's, you get, it's so much positivity and good mm. vibes coming your way. And then you come back and it's... Oh no! And it's that inevitable question: What's next? And yeah, it's like, right. Well, hang on a minute! Can't we just be? Like, why does it always have to <laughs> be a next? <laughs> Can I just catch my breath? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's always, I think, in the adventure world, like a lot of people talk about post-trip blues yeah. and things like that, and I think it's a very real thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you know what? I, I was reading about you obviously before um, before we met, and. If I could go back and do my life again, you've done it how I would do it now from day one. I mean, you'll probably disagree with this, but you, everything you've done. So um, I guess you've always wanted to be a journalist. No, well, it's so funny to hear you say that, Jake. Really? And I think it cuts to the heart of, um, I think, something that we all suffer from in society, which is comparison, right? Because yeah. you're telling me, oh, if I, if I could have my time again, I'd do it like you. I was like, I have no Freaking clue what the hell I'm doing. All I knew was that yeah, I love to travel. Yeah, but you didn't know what the fuck you were doing in like Hong Kong and like cycling from Malaysia back to London. Yes, which but, I want to talk about, by the way. But in a sense, Jake, it was all very much like, how can I avoid real life and make it look like I'm doing something legitimate? So, and and it's so funny because I get people messaging me saying, how do I get a career like yours? I'm like. Dude, I, I haven't planned this. This is yeah, just right. go from something you're interested in to something you're interested in. And then eventually it sort of becomes this random portfolio of things that you've done. And it's all mm -hmm. about how you how you look back on that, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, everything you're saying, right, it still makes me think like, oh, fuck you. Like, you just <laughs> had it together from day one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's let's kind of take it back. So you um, you're from London. Uh, from Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire, okay. And yeah. um, how did you end up in Hong Kong? Oh, gosh. So I had a false start in business. Um, when I left uni, I thought, oh, I've got no idea what I want to do. So I did the traditional apply to grad schemes because that's what everyone else seemed to be doing. And that's what everyone was sort of like. I just thought that that was the path, you know? Sure. Um, so I ended up at Innocent Drinks on their grad scheme. Turns out I was rubbish, like <laughs> genuinely rubbish at selling stuff. Um, people would say these are too expensive, and I'd say, yes, I know. Um, <laughs> Probably right. Probably right. <laughs> um, okay, so you weren't a natural salesperson. No, and I, I was miserable, and I just kind of yeah. thought, is this what the working world is like? Because... I'm not, I'm not a fan. So essentially, everyone had always said to me, Pip, you'd make a really good journalist. You, you like writing and you enjoy it. And I'd sort of almost railed against that and thought, no, I can do business and I can do numbers. I can't. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just, I thought, right, how do I go traveling again and make it look like a legitimate grown-up thing to do? So yeah, I started applying for universities abroad um, to do a master's. Um, essentially because I didn't know what else to do, but I was like, well, it's an opportunity to travel. Um, and it went from there. I did a course at Hong Kong University, absolutely loved it. 
Um, from there, I started working on the local TV station, started writing more, and suddenly I found myself in a world that I'm like, actually, I really, I really do enjoy this. But when I started out on that path, I just had an inkling that maybe it was going to be right. But then yeah. you start to meet people, and you can start seeing role models, and suddenly the world opens up a little bit more. There's a brilliant talk by Elizabeth Gilbert who talks about don't follow your passion because that's quite wanky. If you know what your passion is, you're probably doing it. Mm -hmm. But do what you're interested in. And I think my gut always said, well, I'm interested in um, change makers and I'm interested in travel. And somewhere like Hong Kong, which is this bridge between East and West, sort of seemed like a really good place to go and find interesting stories. So I had a little hunch. So, yeah, I guess in a sense it was gut instinct. Yeah, that's nice. And um you started doing all this stuff in in Hong Kong, and then how, how did the the cycle ride back, like from Malaysia? Because it was a, it was it was you and your partner Charlie. Yeah. It was that in Hong Kong at the time. Yeah. So Charlie used to work with me at Innocent, and um, when I got this place at Hong Kong University, I said, um, "I'm really sorry, Charlie. I know we've been going out for about you know two months, but I'm, I'm off to Hong Kong." And he was like, "Oh, okay." And then rang me up about a week later and said, "I'm coming with you." So I was like, oh, "Legend." Um, and then he got a job in Malaysia, and I was like, "Okay, well, he followed me to Hong Kong. I should probably follow him to Malaysia." So I then moved to Malaysia with Charlie and just worked there freelance for a bit. And um, after about a year and a half, we both thought, you know what, we miss our friends, we miss our family. Um, I'd be an eternal gypsy if I could be. Um, so I wasn't Same. quite ready to go home. And Charlie said, well, what about cycling? I've, I've read that people can do it. And I sort of looked at him and said, dude, like, Yes. <laughs> well, actually, Jake, my first thought was no. Oh, I really? I, I barely cycled around university. I'm not like a fitness freak. And um, I just thought you have completely lost the plot. But I was like, if it's an excuse to travel, it's an interesting way to do it. Why the hell not? So, yeah, I ended up saying yay. Um, and it was <laughs> not just yes. Yeah, yeah, yay. yay. <laughs> <laughs> enthusiasm. Yeah, God, he must have really sold it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was genuinely one of the best things that I've ever done and sort of started okay. me out on this adventure path, I guess. Yeah. So you said you weren't in, in like top sort of physical condition, but obviously the more yeah. you, you probably would have picked your fitness would have got better the further you went and stuff. Like, oh. Tell me a little bit about how, because I'm just going to assume that it was a kind of, it was a bit of a nightmare at first if you weren't in great shape and you start riding oh, 10,000 miles. It was legitimately horrific. <laughs> really? um, the first three weeks, um, I had to get off my bike and push every time we came to a hill. And I distinctly remember one day where I just, we'd gone about 10K, which is nothing if you cycle. It really isn't much. <laughs> and um, I just had a wobbly. I threw my bike down on the side of the road. I screamed blue murder at Charlie. I said, look, you picked the wrong woman. I can't do <laughs> this if you think I can do this you're mistaken and like literally went mental at him tried to break up with him um it oh was my horrific God, like in the middle yeah, of the road somewhere yeah like properly like this is over this is it um <laughs> very dramatic um but he said something to me in that moment that's always stuck with me and he said Pip this isn't a physical journey this is a mental one and right my whole my whole adventure I don't know, can you call it a career? My adventure stuff. You can totally call it a career. <laughs> but it's always been infused with that now. It's mm -hmm. like, this is a mental thing. And it's, you know, I'm not the most athletic person out there. It's And, you know, as you probably found when you started your walk, it, it's just put one foot in front of the other. For sure. Or one paddle stroke and then another one. And, and eventually you achieve stuff. And yeah. you don't have to be the best or the fastest or whatever. You just have to think. Not at all. Do you know what? I can do this. And you have to believe. Yeah. I mean, I say you have to, but it, it helps to believe in in what you're doing and, and thinking that thinking more about the end game and, and the reasons for doing it rather than in that moment like I can't fucking do this anymore yeah like I did this um 
I did uh, Race to the Stones. Then if you've oh, heard of yeah, that, yeah. yeah, it's like I did it last year, and madness. I did uh, well. Yeah, it's fucking madness. But also, I ran the whole thing alone because I got to the race 13 hours late. So I was on the walk at the time. But I didn't have any money, so like I had to get there. So I decided to hitchhike from North Yorkshire down to like near Oxford, and I gave myself the whole day, which I thought would be more than enough. Like I've hitchhiked enough times, and ended up getting to the start of Race of the Stones 13 hours too late. So it was like seven in the morning when it started. I got there at 9 p.m., so I had to do the whole thing on my own. So initially, I was going to do 50k a day, so I'd do the, the whole 100k over two days. That is insane. That is insane. That's that's bad <laughs> enough. But I had to do the whole 100K in one day on the second day, what? which meant I had to run the whole thing unaided, like no sense of occasion whatsoever. Like all the um, stops have been taken down. So there's no food. There's no nothing. 100K in a day. You are insane, Jake. <laughs> what? But like, this is this is my point. It's like... I got to a point where I was in agony. I was in so much pain. And I was I can't... I actually can't do this. Like... But I sort of start to think like when you get to that sort of situation, then then the options become tiny. So it's either right, okay, I, I shit out now, and I just I I don't know, like call a cab, yeah, or whatever, or I just I just do it. I just get up and I push through and I do the thing, and that's that's what I did. I did that like four times <laughs> throughout what, the whole thing. What did you pull on though when you were feeling like that? What was it kind of that you dug into? I don't know. Like I think it was as simple as I want the fucking bling at the end. You know, I want the medal. <laughs> I want to get to the end and I don't know. I mean, the feeling that I knew I was going to get at the end was probably represented by the medal around my neck, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that's what I saw it as at the time. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done, obviously, but it's something happened to me. I was just like, I struggle a lot with my mental health a lot of the time and I feel really worthless a lot of the time. And when opportunities like that present themselves and I'm able to push through and I'm able to achieve something that I don't think I can then that stays with me, man. That really fucking stays with me. So, I, I yeah, I totally get what you mean. Mm, I, c- I couldn't agree with you more because actually something when I do talks and stuff within schools, I say don't chase happiness, chase adventure because mm-hmm. we put such like a an emphasis on being happy in society, don't we? And totally. It, it's kind of weird. It's like, why would you prioritise one emotion over any other? It's like, right. we're happy, we're sad, we're excited, we're jealous. Like, we this makes us human, all these totally. emotions. And to say like, to hold up one state as the state that we should try and be in all the time just seems odd whereas actually it's adventure a lot of my adventures have been friggin miserable and you're (laughs) sat there going like why am I doing this it's wet it's cold I'm tired I want to give up like on a race to the stones and you just think what is it that you're doing at this point in time (laughs) like how my life choices led me to this moment (laughs) but you realize in that that point that actually you're so deep like there's so much in you that you can give and I don't know I don't know if you find this, but like even the way you look, you know, I think so much of social media bombards you with this image of perfection. Mm-hmm. I've never felt more beautiful than when I'm like sweaty and muddy and like no makeup <laughs> and just, you know, rough, like yeah. properly rough and wild. And I just think it gives you something else. And it's, it's well, not life, happy. Yeah. It? Like, and I don't mean like, hey, that's life, <laughs> man. No, I mean, that's like you feel when you feel alive. That's that's when it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. that's when you feel beautiful. I feel totally the same. And like, I love what you said there about um trying to be happy all the time because that's just you know it's completely unachievable and and if you if you realize that and if you start to sort of embrace your other emotions as well then it's like well yeah i kind of like when i'm shit out of luck and i'm i'm miserable because that makes the upswing that much better and uh, you know 
Totally. I, I really think, you know, contentment is the um, is the thing that people should be striving for more mm-hmm. than anything. And that that comes with everything. You know, that's that's like, oh, my God. You know, what I was going to say to say I was going to say like that's the Neapolitan <laughs> of, of emotions. You've got a bit of everything. <laughs> you just scoop it in. But uh, I, I won't like say it. We'll that. Go, we'll go with it. <laughs> the, the Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. yeah okay, that's, that's better. No, that's, we'll just avoid ice cream <laughs> analogies altogether. Um, <laughs> OK, so where, where are we in the story? of Pip we're um, let's, let, let's go back to the bikes because that's, that's sorry I derailed that completely with my <laughs> I wanted to tell people about how great I am for a minute um, so 10,000 miles I read that it, it, yeah and so how long did that take you so guys? it took us 13 months Charlie probably could have done it in about six but I'm pretty slow I like to talk to people and stuff along the way but um, yeah, right. Good. it was amazing it was like what you were saying earlier the number of people who opened up their homes and just the kindness that we we experience and you kind of think actually the world is a good place it really, it really restored is. my faith in humanity you just think you read the news and if it bleeds it leads it's, it's why i left hard news actually it's mm-hmm. um i used to report in in hong kong on things that were going wrong and actually there's so much in life that's going right and it's like well let's talk about that a little bit more. yeah definitely if it bleeds it leads i fucking hate that mm. i've never heard it before no it's a, it's a horrible journalistic yeah. expression yeah god um so where did it take you through this um this cycle ride so we started in malaysia essentially a bit like you might have noticed with my river d uh, comment earlier <laughs> geography <laughs> is not necessarily my strong point yeah, nor me. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, the map on my website said up and left. Um, (laughs) So we went up through Malaysia. Specifically up and left. exactly. All all the points. Uh, Yeah, Uh, yeah, up through Malaysia into Thailand, China, and then did the Stans. Oh, Um, wow, amazing. We hitched a ride on a cargo ship from Azerbaijan, uh, from Turkmenistan to Azerbaijan. And then Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and Fantastic. home. There's some really amazing um, stretches of roads and trails and stuff through the stands. Oh. Like, any, anywhere particular? Oh my favorite? gosh, I loved Kazakhstan. Yeah. Just if you like untouched wild beauty, it had that in bucket loads. And amazing. There were days where we just didn't see anyone, and you're you're sort of camping out with these stars that are so electric and bright, and you're you're drinking from streams, and you just think this is back to your point about being alive. This is what it means to be alive. Totally. Um, reconnecting with nature that's that's what it's all about for me i think well not all about but you know it's it's about the connection it's about all that stuff as well but just raw nature i fucking love it it's like just can't help but feel like this was here billions of years before me it's going to be here hopefully billions of years after it's like I don't know. I just it puts everything into perspective for me. It really does, and and I am one of those people that you will catch like standing next to a tree and just holding it for a little while, <laughs> being like, "Oh my god, this is beautiful." Um, but yeah, it is. That uh, is the impermanence of of us, and totally. I think nature just kind of highlights that so much, and I. For me, it's the best form of therapy I know. If I'm having a bad day or even if I'm having a good day, I just love to be out in nature and sort of things feel a little bit better. They do. Yeah, I co- I totally agree, obviously. And I, I kind of felt like I always... See, this is what I meant when I said um, earlier that you, you kind of did everything in your earlier life that I wish I had because I feel like I've always had this real affinity with um, with nature and the outdoors and, mm-hmm. and movement and everything. And I just I feel like I just kind of put it on hold the whole time through my 20s by just being a fucking idiot. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot of this country now, but all it's done is made me realise that there's so much more to discover. So 
you doing these things around the world, you must, you know, some people must say to you, oh, you know, you've seen all these amazing places, but along the way, you must have bumped into people who are, oh, if you get a chance, you've got to go here. If you get a chance, you've got to go here. And it's like, no, because I've got to do this. I've got to go straight for like yeah. nine days. So like, was there anywhere? Well, this was the thing, because we weren't really under time pressure. We would just say, oh, okay, perfect. We'll go and investigate that. So it, oh, we, that's great. But to be fair, Jake, like that is such a luxury. To have luxury of time mm-hmm. uh, was a really beautiful thing and I mean it had its downsides when we came home without a job going oh my gosh how, how are we going to live in London and, and pay bills and you know yeah, all, right. all that real life stuff but we didn't think this through <laughs> yeah but you're right there's just so much to see and to explore and sometimes that can be like massively overwhelming because it's like how, how do I see the whole world and you're just not going to yeah um, right but I think it's trying to like just enjoy the, the bits that you do see and really kind of connect and I've thrown away guidebooks now what I prefer to do is go and find a coffee shop and like have a little chat with someone that's ace um, and and they're usually more likely to tell you like the hidden gems and yeah for sure yeah find a local find a local <laughs> <laughs> Pip says find a local um, let's uh, let's talk about what what you're doing now like what what you're doing currently and what you want to do in the future uh, so at the moment I'm writing a book about the trip um, down the river because something I found fascinating Jake was the ah, the mishmash between modern life and traditional life so mm-hmm. I felt like when we were in the jungle it was very much um, a traditional way of living. You, we were living off the land. We were sleeping out in nature for you know two and a half months, and the river was our life source. It was where we washed. It was where we drank from. It, it was everything to us. Yeah. And then coming back to this modern society it was a real head fuck. Um, and I think part of that is because. As humans, I don't think we're particularly well equipped to deal with the 21st century. So what I found bizarre was when I was lying in my hammock at night um, and I could hear Cayman in the river and then I could hear Jaguar behind me in the jungle and I'm, I'm trying to get to sleep and my brain is just going, oh my God, you're going to get eaten by what thing you don't know um, and trying to calm that fear. But it was the same response as when I get a WhatsApp message or when notifications go off on my Instagram or something like that. And you just think, hang on a minute, that stress response that I'm feeling when I get a message is the same stress response that I'm getting when I can hear a Jaguar. Um, And the weird thing in the jungle is that it goes away. So when you don't hear the Jaguar anymore, you can start to relax. When you can't hear the caiman, you start to relax. But I don't think we can relax in 21st century modern Britain. I think so we're constantly bombarded with stuff. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, you'd love to talk to my friend Chevy. He's all about, he, he, he can't talk about modern day stress without mentioning a woolly mammoth. Yeah. Because um, you're totally right, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, we are we are built for stress. We're built to, re- built to respond to stress. But that's just so interesting yeah. how it was the, the same amount of fear <laughs> or anxiety from something that's actually actually might eat you yeah. as to your phone going yeah. off. And it's just, that's just baffling. And the email's not going to eat me, but it's still stressful. <laughs> it's still stressful. And what I found, I went to a They'll talk. They'll invent a kind of email that eats you at some point. It's <laughs> just moving so bloody email. fast. Yeah, yeah, it's moving too fast. So this is, don't open this. It will literally <laughs> eat you. <laughs> that would be so weird. Yeah. Um, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I went to a talk recently um, about how the brain is actually programmed to err on the side of negativity. Because, again, back to like our primal sense of being, if we like find a banana tree and we manage to eat a banana, we it, okay, that was a nice experience. But if we're attacked by a jaguar whilst eating a banana, we're probably more likely to remember it. So mm-hmm. we've got this inbuilt negativity bias. Um, I think they explain it like the brain is Teflon uh, for good experiences and like Velcro for bad ones. Okay. Um, 
based on this very kind of primal sense of, well, the, the bad thing might kill you, the bad thing yeah. might harm you, um, yet we don't really have any of those real pressures in modern society. The thing with stress is, I think a lot of people sort of think that, um, you know, we, we need to kind of stamp it out like it's this huge problem. But but yeah, we actually do need to manage it. We don't need to, you know, we need stress. Like our body thrives on stress mm. and it's just, you know, yeah, something's going to stress you out one day. It doesn't mean doesn't mean that you're you're not in control of your life. It's just, you know, acknowledging your body's yeah. response to that. And I think when you recognise that you're in control of that, um, it's quite a powerful thing. So... I had, oh, Jake, it was probably the worst, I'm going to say the worst experience of my life in the jungle. Hang on, I'm going <laughs> to change my positioning and just Get lean in slightly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we were hiking to the source of the river to try and find it, and it's obviously never been documented properly before. And as we were hiking up to this source, um, I got my foot stuck between a log, a rotten log and a vine. And I was trying to get it out, and I, I wiggled my foot, and eventually it came loose. As it came loose, Laura screamed out, oh my gosh, there's a snake. Um, and two inches, I'm not kidding you, two inches under my ass uh, was a Libaria snake, um, which is one of the most deadly snakes in the jungle. It's renowned for being like very quick attacker. Um, and And will repeatedly attack as well. So, right. um, it's badass. Yeah, it's not, it's not where you want to put your ass, I'll t- <laughs> tell you. <laughs> Um, And at this point, we knew that we were in dense jungle, um, days away from medical help. Um, We went to the helicopter people before we set off and they said, yes, so we don't have a winch system in Guyana and we can't fly at night. And if you need to call us out, you need to make sure there's an area the size of a football field that's cleared so that we can land. So we're going, oh, my God. Like we knew that going to the source, if something major went wrong, it was pretty much you got to deal with it on the ground. Yeah, right. and in that moment, I was, I was so shaken up. Um, I, I, I moved so fast. <laughs> I'll tell you, <laughs> yeah. I have never moved so quick. Um, yeah, I moved very quickly. And all I heard was the sound of a machete on wood. And one of our YY guides, Jackson, um, had killed it. Right. And I said to him, Jackson, why, why did you kill the snake? It didn't harm me at all in any way. And he said, Pip, if that snake had bitten you, you'd be dead. Um, and I was thinking, wow, like how things in life can hinge on a moment like that. If my arse had been two inches lower, I might not be sat talking to you right now. Um, and for a good, I'd say, three or four days, I was in a real state of shock. I think um, I would be as well. And what was bizarre is that the I couldn't I couldn't call home. I couldn't get out. Um, all I wanted to do was curl up and cry and come home. Yeah, right. And I couldn't. And it was a really interesting experience in the sense that I just had to keep going. Yeah. There, there wasn't an option. It was like I either sit here and cry with no chance of getting out of the jungle ever, or I just find the sodding source, walk back down, get in my kayak and paddle <laughs> out of there. Um, so that, that was the option that I had. And it, it was almost having that internal battle with your own brain saying, OK, yeah. this is what's happened. I can't change this experience, but I can change my response to the experience. Sure. Um, and I think that was a huge part of my time in the jungle was I was really scared for a lot of the time. Um, I think that's fine. <laughs> I'm a big wimp as it turns out, Jake. <laughs> I, I wouldn't last two minutes. I, don't, I can't, I just don't like bugs enough. Yeah. But yeah. 
but yeah, it it is like literally you see snakes, spiders, scorpions, caiman, jaguar. Um, they're there on a daily basis, yeah. and then you've got things like the mosquitoes with Zika and dengue, and you know, God knows what else. But yeah, it's it's how you respond to a problem. I think that was what I took took out of that experience. Yeah, and I suppose you've got to think like you know you've got to think that way if you're in the the biggest ecosystem in the world it's like well yeah what was i fucking expecting yeah. is gonna happen? <laughs> of course i'm gonna of course i'm gonna nearly die sometimes yeah. like that's just kind of part of it but yeah what you said there kind of kind of goes back to the um i'm not comparing it to obviously but it's yeah it's thinking that you can't do something and then weighing up the this the tiny amount of options that you have and doing, you know, either way, it's going to be shit. So yeah. I, I, I should do the thing that kind of gets the thing done rather than crap yeah. out. And accepting that there are going to be times in your life where you do struggle and it's not always going to be great. And actually, it's just a case of just know that that's going to pass and just keep going forward as best you can in that moment. And yeah. I think that's enough. It is just enough to survive. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> if like, you survived each day, congratulations. Yeah, for know? sure. Well, that that dramatic event is totally transferable into everyday life, isn't it? You know, not obviously not as kind of snaky and yeah. deathy. <laughs> hopefully not, yeah. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> but but that's that's another big thing you learn about yourself when you're away, isn't it? Yeah. So like these little things or, you know, quite, quite large, <laughs> dangerous things happen to you. But it kind of rewires you in certain ways. You know, in some ways it makes you kind of feel it made more resilient to, to, to future things that will happen, even if they're kind of in a mundane existence. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I just want to get back. Talking to you, I just want to get back out and do... Do you want to go now? Like, yeah, yeah. Do you want to have to fly <laughs> <Sod> somewhere? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is the beauty of, I think, nature generally is like, it doesn't have to be the big things because the world yeah. is a beautiful place mm. and it, it can just literally just stop and look at a leaf because it's they're pretty cool people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you're right. Like things can be just uh, sort of dangerous. In you know, just wherever, like that squirrel, like that got a bit hairy for yeah. a while. Like something could really yeah. gone down back then. Could have had rabies. Yeah, yeah. And we're not wearing neutral gang colours. <laughs> no. Like they, they don't know that we're on their side. <laughs> we're just sat in the middle. Yeah, we're, man, we're middle, just sitting people. here. Um, okay, so what should we talk about now? <laughs> <laughs> where do we go now? Yeah, where do we go from here? Um, what do you think? <coughs> I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. What was like? your big realization when it came to mental health because i think a lot of people i've had a lot of friends and family that really suffer from hang on let's start that again yeah. there i was thinking <laughs> oh good she's going to take control now i just blew it no no i was, I was going to ask you jake so i've had a lot of friends and people close to me that really suffered from mental health uh -huh. um and what was it that kind of sparked in you that thought actually yeah i want to talk more about this i want to get out i need to get some support like um, I, th I think reaching crisis point, to be honest. I think a lot of what, what I went through was kind of stress-related and, and not feeling like, you know, I don't know. Oh, man, I just, you know what, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it all came to a head through through stress and through drinking and taking fuckloads of drugs when I shouldn't, you know, it, as a way to kind of escape the stress. Yeah. And... Um, or kind of assuming that people had this view of me. But I, I thought that I was, you know, kind of... I felt like people enjoyed themselves in my company and I felt like I could be funny around people. And, I, you know, and I'd go home afterwards and feel like this totally different person when I was on my own. And so that ate away at me for, for years and years and years. And, and the fact that I went home and did that, I was very ashamed of it because it totally contradicted the way I was socially with other people. Yeah. <coughs> so... And it's weird actually because I'm 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 always been drawn to people who look like they're struggling, 
always, you know, I'm always trying to make them feel, you know, either with my eyes or with um, what I'm saying or whatever to let them know that like, you know, it's fine, you know, like it's all totally fine. And, and there was no one doing that with me, you know, so I felt like I was like we were talking about briefly earlier before we started recording, I was maybe channeling other people's stuff a bit too much and not focusing enough on myself. And mm. I don't know, like I, I still don't know really. Um, but all I do know is that when I did start talking, that's when it all became a lot easier because you let other people in and you start to realize people are saying the same things. And, um, you know, the main, the main sort of light bulb moment for me was like, I've been thinking about this in terms of, you know, I'm the only one who's lived the life I have. I've been walking down like a single hallway that's only big enough for me. And so no one's going to understand what I'm fucking going through. But if you start talking about the feeling itself, the feeling mm. of depression, like that's like fucking everyone knows what that feels like. And when I start talking about that rather than what had maybe led me there, because I mean, I just did it then, you know, like when you asked me, I start talking about, oh, yeah, I did this and I did that. And I did, you know, I I medic I self-medicated and I did all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm just talking myself in circles there and I'm not actually getting to the end. But when I start talking about depression as a thing that's when people start chiming in and going, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I can't get out of bed sometimes. Yeah, like I've wanted to kill myself. Like, I don't know. Have I answered your question? Yeah, because I, I was going <laughs> to say something I think that's probably lacking a little bit in the mental health uh, debate in a sense is how friends and family of people who are suffering handle yeah. it because it can be a real, oh God, I've had, you know, one of my friends wanted to commit suicide and, and you're trying to talk them down and, and you have, obviously you can empathise, but you genuinely have no direct experience of that so knowing mm -hmm. exactly what to say can help well leave you feeling a little bit helpless and like sure. you're just scrabbling around so i sort of think like ha what advice would you give to people whose family or friends are are suffering in some way well i i think don't put too much pressure on yourself you don't have to have the answers you just need to listen more than anything you don't have to, if someone comes to you and you know praise them for having the the guts to say it you know mm. that they're thinking of ending their own life because that's wow you know that's that shit that people don't let other people into a lot for good reason um you know because they don't want to upset people or they don't want to appear like they're coming off dramatic or whatever having having the right answer isn't isn't what they want you know they don't want you're not going to say anything to someone at crisis point that makes them realize that, that it kind of turns it all around for them i don't think mm. you know it, no one would have been able to tell me the right thing all I needed to know that someone gave a shit yeah and if as long as you give a shit and you're being you're genuinely giving a shit and you're checking up on them every now and again you don't have to have the answers yeah you just need to be present that's all you need it's a beautiful way of putting it yeah, yeah. I'm good at that sort of stuff <laughs> 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 it's just my life man I just all I do is talk about mental health um so I mean you said then you don't, you know, you've you've never felt that way. You've never felt like, you know, and that doesn't surprise me at all. You seem you seem very sort of robust mental health wise. You seem like a very genuinely, relentlessly, <laughs> maybe sometimes annoyingly happy person <laughs> to someone who is depressive. You know, it's like fucking. Why is she just fucking happy all the time? Um, but um, I mean, sorry, I'm assuming all that. Obviously, like, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, no, I am. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Again, perception, because I mm -hmm. do have ups and downs. And yeah. I kind of think my brain, I feel like it's the equivalent of keeping fit mentally. Okay. So, yes, I think we all have like these really negative thoughts and I'm not, you know, I have them too. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it's almost like I've tra not trained myself, but I genuinely try and constantly look at the positive. Like, what yeah. can I take out of the situation? How is it a good thing? Um, whether this is good long term, Jake, <laughs> I don't know. But it's a bit like for me, it's, it's trying to go to the gym and it's recognizing that, yes, I have negative thoughts, but that doesn't make up who I am. Sure. Um, and as long as I can keep trying to battle them. Um, but yeah, I think I'm a human being. I've had highs. I've had lows. I've yeah. had shit times in life and I've had brilliant times in life. And it's it's more just how you interpret those experiences. I think when you are <laughs> feeling more robust mentally, and I don't think that's true of everybody. It's definitely not true of people that I know and that I mm. love as well. So it's, everyone's different. Yeah. And that's the thing. We can never really understand another person's experience in a sense. Yeah, so of course not. It's hard to say. Yeah. And, and you know, the reason I asked you then if, you know, because <laughs> I just did that thing. I did that thing I hate by assuming that, you know, how you are. I don't know you like that well but how you how you're being today it mm. could be it could be you being a happy person it could be you wanting to deflect people asking if you're okay you know that's that's what it was for me for such a long time so it's good to uh, but what but what I love about what you've just asked me there is um you're doing what people who don't who don't suffer from sort of extreme mental illness should do you know keep asking questions and reserve judgment and correct yourself if you're getting it wrong and ask advice you know if you if you've got friends who are suffering and you don't know what to fucking do mm. the one in four thing like i think it's a slightly misleading statistic mm. i think one in four people yeah might experience serious mental illness but you know indirectly everyone oh my god we are all everyone affected by it, it in some way yeah exactly and um and yeah that's great thanks for asking me that that's oh. really good of you <laughs> um <laughs> but enough about me um Unless you want to carry on talking about mental health, I mean, what what is what, what made you ask me that? Um, I don't know, because for me, adventure is so much about connection, and that's connection with Absolutely. yourself, with nature, and the people around you. And I think mm -hmm. I just I hate chit chat, Jake. Yeah. I hate it. I'm like, tell me your soul. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah. genuinely, I I think we we often don't ask questions that we kind of we're a bit scared to ask because you don't right. know how someone's going to react, and that's what I love about just asking people what makes you happy. Even though I think, in a sense, that that's a stupid question, and I'm waiting for someone to tell me that's a stupid <laughs> question. Um, because I'm, I'm just fascinated. It, it's one way to kind of get into someone. Yeah, essence. right. Um, it's an easy way to open people up. If they're willing to yes. open themselves up, obviously. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it, you can you can judge that by yourself, can't you? you yeah. Know, you wouldn't ask someone who's just obviously like. Uh, no, <laughs> and I, d I genuinely try and ask people who seem sort of. Yeah, like willing and receptive to talk. I sure. wouldn't. I wouldn't want to uh, make anyone feel uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I I think that's a really good place to wrap up. You know. I think I really love that you've asked me that and um and yeah it's nice talking to someone about mental health who who just wants to know more about it so before we finish squirrel's gone I was kind of hoping he was going to come back and we were just going to kind of check in with him but Cut to he, squirrel. yeah yeah he's he's realized that he's got he's no match for us so he's gone off to find some weaker um what is next for you? Have you got any plans for like a future challenge or anything? Yeah, so I'm actually going to come. And well, <laughs> I'm going to embed with the Marines. Um, right. I said that the other day and someone looked at me really strangely. I said, I'm not going to bed the Marines. I'm <laughs> embedding with the Marines. Um, yeah, so I'm going off to Norway in July. Um, they're traversing the length of Norway by sea kayak, bike and on foot. Um, oh, recreating some of the old World War II commando raids. Um, and I'm going to join them for a section of that. That sounds amazing. It does, Jake, but I need to get fit and I've got glandular fever. <laughs> I mean, I've got I've got the teenage kissing disease in my in, in my 30s. Like, how did that happen? Well, 
I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously you've, you haven't been kissing 13-year-old boys. No, I mean, no. Because no one would uh, admit to doing that on a podcast. That's gone rogue. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, you'll be fine. Like, you rode 10,000 miles without training. You can do this. Yeah, but it's, it's the Marines, isn't it? But anyway, so I oh, need to I get my fitness up in the next month okay. somehow. And then other than that, writing a book, I've got a few... Adventures planned, and actually, I want to do some walking, so I might have really? to take your advice on. Uh, yeah, I know, I know loads about plodding along. Britain. <laughs> Is that where you want to walk? Yes. All right. The coast path. Get in touch. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much for talking and to bringing me here as well. This is remind me where this is. This again. is Fulham Palace Gardens, a hidden gem in London. If you ever want to find the walled gardens, because it's very quiet. Okay, so I might cut that bit out because I. It won't remain a hidden gem if, uh, if people yes, like you keep talking true. about it. Anyway, thanks so much for talking to me and uh, all the best. Jake, it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> oh, hey, that was fun, wasn't it? What a fun interview. That wasn't an interview. That was, uh, that was two people enjoying each other's company too much and forgetting to talk about some important stuff that they'd written down in their notes before they met each other. Um... As you can probably tell, Pip has had a bit of uh, experience in broadcasting and, and that sort of thing. And you'll notice that just me being just kind of over enamoured with her and just f- falling in love with her a little bit, actually. Pip, I fell in love with you slightly while we were talking and uh, it wasn't as slick as I wanted it to be. But luckily, as I said, she's got a bit of a history of broadcasting and media and that sort of thing. She seems quite well trained and uh, she rescued the conversation on occasion and actually it turned into a nice two-way thing you know her putting questions to me at the end so yeah a different kind of speed normally I'd be the one in control but you know that's down to me that's up to me to improve on my interviewing skills right I'm gonna leave you because the Brazil game is is on it's not even half time anymore the Brazil game is on right now and I need to get back there in case I miss anything Thanks very much again for listening. If you're listening to this on Monday or Sunday before the England-Tunisia game, essentially, come on. Fingers crossed. Come on, all of you. Hey, that's it. Well done. Um, We're going to win it. No, of course we're not. Um, But uh, (laughs) we can dream, can't we? Um, I'm so distracted. I'm going to leave you. Thanks for tuning in again. I will see you next time.